This episode of Print Run. My name is Eric Kane, and with me, as always, and once again, we've been off for a little bit here. Um, Laura Zatz, say hello, Laura. Hello, Laura. So it's March 25th. Um, that date is significant to many of you because you've been yelling at me online about how we haven't recorded an episode in a little while. So we're happy to be back. We have an excuse, uh, though. <laughs> we have like some of an excuse because <laughs> we we did so. So we had the week before travel, which was crazy. Right. And then we had the travel itself, which right. is also crazy and is also going to be the subject of this episode. If you don't know, Laura and I were in London for the London Book Fair last week. Um, or was it two weeks ago? It was two point? weeks two, ago, yeah, but man. I was still in oh, but England. You, but you got back on Monday. Yeah, so it's... My bags didn't get back until Thursday. <laughs> um it's been like a weird set of circumstances that means that it's we've been off for a few weeks, and um, but we're happy to be back now. We'll call it spring break. We'll call it spring break. <laughs> Welcome back from spring break, everyone. Um, thanks for coming back. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the London Book Fair. I think we learned a lot. On, it was our first international trip for you know book stuff, so we were excited to do all that. Um, before we get to any of that, though, how about the basic rundown? Yeah. So it is March. Um, we haven't yet posted any special episodes for March <laughs> because we were in London. Uh-huh. Um, and They're coming, though. As, as portable as our studio is, it's not quite that portable mm-hmm. to also like to bring like mics and mic stands and my computer and also like underwear. Mm-hmm. Um, so we privileged the latter. Hope you don't get mad at us. Uh, so those well, are so coming. Laura, to be clear, they are mad at us. I mean, like, I don't know if you go don't into, get, like, the print run I mean, mentions right now, <laughs> but, like, people are, I, like, posted, like, what I thought was going to be, like, a really fun thing. I was like, hey, we're going to record again today. And, like, all the replies are like, good, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> like, get back in the studio, you slackers. <laughs> like, people are like, I moved on to a different friends and cast. <laughs> it was it was a lot. It was emotionally jarring for me. Fair. I feel traumatized. Sure. Uh, I'll be setting up a GoFundMe later uh, for emotional damages. Um, anyway, pardon the interruption. Please. Well, if, <laughs> if Eric doesn't get around to setting up his GoFundMe, head on over to Patreon mm-hmm. and go to uh, Print Run's page. We have special episodes available for you. So instead of just giving money to Eric, you can get special episodes that will help you with writing your synopsis, writing in general, writing your query letter, mm-hmm. writing your first page, all these sort of things. Um, we have mm-hmm. special episodes about literally days of content mm-hmm. at this point. So head on over there. Our highest tier where you get something new is $8 a month, which I feel like is pretty fair. Yeah, come on, folks. Pretty it's fair. It's fun. Join us on the Patreon. Yeah. We have a great time if you're like looking to get your book out into the yeah. world. It's a lot of practical advice, whereas this show is a lot of nonsense. And it so is. It sure is. It w- <laughs> um, and if you would like, if you are not mad at us for going out of the country um, mm-hmm. and would like to support us in other ways, leave us a review. Yeah. Ideally on iTunes and ideally uh, at five stars. Yeah, We'd actually, appreciate that. <laughs> um, if you don't want to give us five stars, you can instead, a better way to handle that would just be to yell at me online. Yeah, as do that. To, yeah. Definitely don't do that. Don't leave us like a three-star review. It's like, come on, this isn't, you know, the New York Times book page. Like, just 
just yell at me on the internet instead Somebody of Somebody once took rest. a star off for the swears. <laughs> that was good. That person I respect more than anyone. I know, right? They stick to their principles. They do. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that. that. I, I would appreciate it more if they had just given us the five and moved along. I got so. this mouth from my mother. So, <clears throat> okay. So, Laura. London Book Fair. The London Book Fair. Yes. Um, there's a lot of different ways, you know, we can kind of talk about this and we'll, you know, kind of go through all the different stuff we did on the trip and, you know, the various types of people we met, the various things we saw, all that kind of stuff. But I want to basically start, I think, with, I guess, what it was. Maybe that's like, a, it feels very basic, but, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, maybe they haven't, They maybe they've never been to Book Expo before. Maybe they, they've probably almost certainly haven't been to Frankfurt. I know I haven't. Um, they probably haven't been to Linden Book Fair either. So, like, maybe, like, a good quick place to start is just, like, what is it? You know, like what we went and it was, you know, a few days, you know, at this convention center. Yep. Like, what did we see? What was going on? Like how like, let's paint a picture for a second and then we'll kind of get into what we were doing there. So London Book Fair, um, who I think like it's put on by the same larger company as I think Book Expo, yeah. BEA. Um, it's it's billed as one of the largest book events ever Mm -hmm. um and so it's for professionals it's for you know editors agents publishers people in the industry as opposed to yes like writers who technically are more like contractors yeah and we've talked about that split before but it's like for people who like work at a publishing company of some kind right and so the the huge thing is that there's really two parts of london book fair um and to be clear like these parts are massive Mm -hmm. um but the first part is the floor, right? And so you have lots of publishers and lots of like publishing organizations um, with booths all around these two huge halls. Um, and in every single one of these booths are a bunch of little tables. Mm-hmm. And that's where these publishing companies or these like distributors or whatever have little meetings. Yeah. 30 minutes a piece, you know, have meetings with whoever they're having meetings and with. And those meetings are typically, and this is like, the, if you're actually someone who was attending this fair with any real intent, um, the idea is to, you know, get, you know, on the books with these short little meetings with whoever it is you're trying to see, right? Like you're trying to talk to an editor at a house about things you might be pitching, if it's like BEA or something or Book Expo. Like here, it's a little bit more foreign stuff, but like the idea is to kind of show off your wares a little bit in person and, you know, converse while, you know, you've got these booths of people who are, I guess like a lot of it's like really catalog focused, right? Like it's like a, a yeah. press will show up and like have on display you know, their latest, you know, their latest stuff with some, you know, rights catalogs for what's coming next, an opportunity to basically just see like a current overview of the press, you yeah. know. And to be clear, like there are no books being given away. Right. There, right. there, there aren't even like that many books. No, there's there very few books. Very, book very That's something few. we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> there are very few books. It's not like one of those things where it's like they're trying to tell you about a specific title. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot more focused on intangible Mm -hmm. business, right? And then you have the second part of the London Book Fair, which is the International Rights Center, the IRC. Which which is where you and I spent our time. Which is where all the agents go. So a lot of agencies, all and these are agencies all over the world, right, will purchase tables or they will be, you know, people bouncing around from table to table, which is what Eric and I were. Mm. Um, And they will... 
like agents will have meetings with other agents up there or publishers will come up there and meet with an agent um, and talk about things like foreign rights. We'll talk about their, you know, their catalog, what they have going on there. Sometimes they sell specific books. Sometimes they very much will just kind of build relationships yep. and kind of maybe work with somebody in a different country who will be able to sell your catalog to people in that country. Right. Um, and then there, you know, there are, I guess, there are panels and there's kind of learning and that sort of thing, too. But that's a very kind of picture at a convention. Yeah, yeah. but it's a lot smaller of a piece, right. I think. Like, the real big parts are the trade floor and the right center. Okay, so let's start with what we saw on the trade floor. Because there was something that slowly kind of dawned on us. As we were walking through, I thought, you know, while we were going past, you know, like I think I put a picture up of that giant like tower that Hachette had built. You know? <laughs> like, um, you know, there were a lot of pretty elaborate exhibits and stuff like that. You know, some really nice looking like, um, you know, there's sometimes little snacks. There was a lot of like there candy were a lot of snacks. Front. Yeah. Um, but like the one thing that I think you and I both noticed in this massive convention hall that stemmed, I guess it was almost multiple halls. Right. Like it's kind of different wings of this big giant building. Yeah. But like. There was the main section, which had all the presses that you and I have heard of and work with and deal with on a regular basis and felt very familiar, right? Yeah, like I everybody we, we know. We walked through and there were the big five. There were the university presses that I'm, you know, fond of. There were, you know, kind of the smaller presses. You know, all the people that you and I would know and have heard of, you know, anywhere. And then there was everything else that mm-hmm. was on display at this place. And I, you and I, hit, like, on day two, I think... We were wandering through and we both kind of came to this observation that like so much of the publishing industry that was on display, a very, very small fraction of it was what you and I would consider, quote unquote, books. Yeah. Right. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it was, you know, there were um, a lot of sales, you know, teams on you know, there were a lot mm-hmm. of printers, you know, on display. There were a lot of distributors. There were a lot of. Honestly, like, it got so granular. There were people whose whole company was designed around making sure your metadata appears correctly. Yep. There was reading technology. There was, like, Wattpad folks, you know, were there. There was reading technology. There was also, like, educational technology and, like, textbook tech. A ton, a ton of textbook stuff and educational stuff. And it got me thinking, I think, a little bit about just how, like, when you and I, when we come on this show and when anyone that we're, like, in professional circles with and anyone who I think listens to this when they think about books they're thinking about they're thinking about trade publishing right and they're doing it in the way we talk about it in a way it feels very all-important right it feels like you know the literary scene or the publishing industry you know lives and dies based on you know the big novels coming out of the big presses or it comes out from you know the big nonfiction book from whatever political press you know like the things that you and I talk about a lot yeah And what I think we were, not that we didn't know it, but what we were reminded of in this moment is that the stuff that we like about publishing, you know, these kind of editorial, you know, like the real, like, precious pieces of art, you know, the stories, (laughs) all the things. People who love books. (laughs) Exactly. Like, all the charming things that make up book culture and publishing and, like, anything you would, like, I I say you as in any listener who, like, listens to this and either they're an aspiring writer or a reader of trade. Like, all the stuff that you value is such a small percentage of what's actually happening in publishing. And I found it to be really strange. And I mm-hmm. and it kind of was a reminder that 
the forces in play here, like when we talk about well, what's the fate of publishing, how is it, you know, we, I mean, we often bemoan, for instance, like the corporatization of things. You know, we get mad that Amazon has the influence it does. We get mad that publishers behave in the way they do because it doesn't make sense to us as people who like trade books, right? We're like, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they invest in midlist fiction? You know, all the things that we want to happen. And it feels like the answer that was on really like sharp relief on at the fair was that because that's a tiny piece of the pie and the actual concern for these giant businesses is everywhere else Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with anything you would consider remotely artistic whatsoever. Yeah, we were walking around in between meetings one day um, and I was looking around and I was like, I don't believe that if you asked people in this hall if -hmm. they loved books Mm -hmm. or like if you asked them like why they were in this business, Mm -hmm. it would be because they loved books. Like there's a very, very small part. And like to be fair, Eric and my like it's we're very writer facing and we're very like editor facing. And that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we talk to publicists, um, you know, but mostly it's for the people who like don't get paid and like do this for love um, and are the creators. Right. Like that's who we talk to every day. Yeah. And there were, you forget, we talk on the show a lot about how this, how books are products, mm-hmm. right? They're products over everything else. That's why Amazon has kind of taken over. It's, you know, it's why people <clears throat> make bad acquisitions decisions and then get in trouble on Twitter for <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really interesting to see one of the biggest events in the world for your industry. Have just nothing to do with anything you do. No. Yeah. I mean, and there were things that I mean, we 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 had the entire like International Rights Center, but even that. Well, we'll get and we'll get there yeah. in a sec, but yeah, no, it was just crazy because I think your point about like passion was is such a good one. Like, you just it was people who might as well have been like when you hear like people in other industries talk about like just the drawl nature of like professional conferences, right, where they've got to like go and meet meet with like suppliers or meet with mm-hmm. like shippers or meet with like all the boring stuff that you associate customs. Yeah. There were a bunch of customs booths. Yeah. All the stuff that you associate with like other boring industries, you know? Um, all that stuff is, is is of course in publishing too, and that's a very stupid, simple thing to say. But it was amazing to kind of see it on display, you know, and like it was it was a bunch of other stuff too. Like it was um you know, it was publishers that had, like, a very, very specific niche focus. Yeah. That was, you know, it was educational, you know, in a specific language, right? These massive booths from companies that were clearly doing quite well, you know, and their whole job was, like, I, you know, there was one booth that was, like, promoting one book from the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Do you remember that? There no, was like, I don't. Oh, you don't? There were it a lot crazy. of booths. Yeah, Dubai had a big booth, too. But, like, it was, like, country-specific focus. Like, there were these, like, um, I don't know, it was just wild, like, to see some of this stuff that wasn't actually it wasn't like showing off a catalog it wasn't even about a publisher it was just like these One these book. weird enterprises that like <laughs> you couldn't even quite tell what was happening but there was so much going on that it felt almost inaccessible and it's like i don't know like if i wanted to like show up and talk to this person like cuz you you go to these things and like you, you know schedule I'm, meetings right and i'm fairly you know i don't like walking the floor like you know as someone who like doesn't want to talk to strangers all that much <laughs> like i like, walking the floor here is great for you though yeah because you don't talk to anybody because well, nobody wants well, to that's talk the to thing. you so and so you go into one of these things and you know you've paid for a ticket right and you've flown i mean we flew out there we spent money to 
you know, to get out there and, you know, and see it. And it's like, okay, you want to be as open as possible. You want to talk to as many people as you can. I, mean, I was like t- reminding myself again and again, like be open, like make sure that you're not just being shy and wasting a chance to talk to someone. Don't just you... shove this cookie into your face while you're walking. <laughs> but like, what would I have even said to 90% of the people at this thing? Well, you know? so here's, and... <clears throat> here's the thing. Um, and I, and I think your point about the specific like business parts of this yeah. industry um, and it not being about the art and it not being about yeah. what it is that we do is very, very much reflected in the structure of this. So, like, you think that in tw- the year of our Lord 2019, mm-hmm. um, if you have an event that is 100 percent about, yes, let's sit down for an hour and talk about something, you wouldn't need to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to put on an event where people fly from all over the world to just, like, sit and talk because, like, Skype is free, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, In some ways, the London Book Fair and and BEA, to a lot of extent, quite honestly, feels really, really archaic um, because there's, there's very little that you can do there that you can't do over an email or on the phone or something. And so the the idea of that that business structure mm-hmm. um, is, I think, the explanation for why places like this still exist and still are very much thriving. Um, and it's and it's because like you do need to when you're talking about making a deal and your company is negotiating with another company about you know shipping a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and you need to like talk to your rep like that is helpful to see that person in like in person yeah it also feels like for some of this events like this or even I keep we keep calling it BEA but it's not called that anymore it's called Book Expo it's always BEA just like Camp Snoopy is always going to be Camp Snoopy the one in New York Book Expo um they almost exist more as excuses to get together for reasons that have nothing to do with the event itself it's like they're almost like shells that like the event like the fair itself and its programming is beside the point the point is to be it's like find a ready-made time in the same city as someone else you've been trying to see. Sure. You know, like it's very, it's very like personal and social in that way. Like your fair experience mostly just consists entirely of the people you had personal conversations with that, yeah, you could have met elsewhere, but you arbitrarily decided to just do it all at once here, you know? And it's, it's interesting in that way, but it was, it was such a weird experience, I think, wandering through. And even with like the, um, even with like the presses, you know, like I was walking through and seeing, you know, places that I work with, places that places that I have I have worked. You know, we walked by the OUP <laughs> booth, right? Um, Every time and, we walked by, I was like, "Do you know anybody?" <laughs> we did end up knowing so. I did end up knowing someone that we all right. We didn't say hi, but I recognized someone finally, uh, which made me feel good. Um, but it's like agenting, and this is a thing I feel a lot about agenting. It's like you don't really know where it fits in any of this stuff, like because we're not actually we're not actually a party. In yeah. any of this, we're like a representative of a party. You know what I mean? Like it's not so at certain times just walking the floor, it kind of felt like we might as well have just been spectators, you know, mm-hmm. who were. Um, but I guess like the thing that I kept thinking about as I was, you know, sitting in the fake river, you know, or looking <laughs> at the, you know, sitting on that stupid tractor, you know, whatever it was that we were like blowing <laughs> off steam. <laughs> like, that was good. We were like. We, like, ran out of energy for, like, an hour before one of our meetings, and we're just, like, sitting in this, like, astroturf, like, floral scene. It was very good. I needed somewhere to eat my brownie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but it was just like, man, the, what we do is such a small and inconsequential part. And I, I say inconsequential, I, I honestly, I kind of mean it. Like, it's like publishing is not going to live and die in the way that we think based on trade books. Like, it's, you know, ELT stuff, it's educational stuff, it's higher ed, you know, it's all the big lucrative content producers. It almost felt like more like content than books, right? Yeah. Like the London Content Fair would have well, been. Well, they kept like, having yeah. like. Like words, keywords on all these gigantic posters all there over the place. There were a lot of keywords, and it was like content, ebooks. Like it was never like writing. Everything was multimedia. Yeah, and I mean, there was a yeah. dude walking around with like a computer on his head. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Let's let's okay. Let's take a moment uh-huh. and also talk about. So this is something that I found very strange, given that. This is very much an industry where, like, I don't even know why people had such fancy booze other than they, like, wanted to impress the people you they were having meetings with. You want to impress the people with. next to you because, like, what if Penguin has a bigger booth than you? And you're that won't do. You can't have that. Shet, yeah. you need at least two levels. You need a tower you know, with turrets. Yeah, and you got to need... get some archery going on up there <laughs> so you can snipe your enemies. Exactly. It's very important. Um, so, so walking around, like, this is not a place where you sell individual books. Mm-hmm. This is not a place where you sell books really at all in the kind of the way that we're thinking about them, right? Um, Not on that main floor, no. And yet, Mm -hmm. on the second day, on Wednesday, we were walking around and Eric and I heard this weird like chanting and whistles. Oh, yeah. And we didn't know what it was. And at that point, like I was face full of brownie and didn't want to get up, Um, Mm -hmm. you know. And so Eric got up and went over and looked across the across like the mezzanine essentially and saw a bunch of women in navy and lime green t-shirts carrying mm-hmm. navy and lime green signs and blowing whistles and picket chanting signs, yeah. and sur- picket signs and being surrounded by security walking through the hall i thought that so this was we posted a picture of this but this was apart from the fair like this is going to be a point that has less to do with the fair itself and more just like an observation that we kind of saw cast into relief here, right? Like it when we first saw this thing across the room, mm-hmm. it looked like a protest, right? Yeah. I thought that's that, what it was. I, I thought, thought that that's maybe what it was. someone had some issue with maybe someone of the press. Like there was you know, there's a million things you could theoretically protest that a publisher would do, right? And so maybe some activist group or something had shown up. And I had, thought it was a Brexit thing because Brexit anything. is going to influence a lot of, like, trade yeah. stuff or that any, it was talk, yeah. being talked about at the at the fair. The point is, like, it would have yeah. felt reasonable in my head for there to have been some sort of small protest of something at the London Book Fair, sure. right? But as they got closer, it was not that, right? It was a what ended up being... A book promotional event for Margaret Atwood's next book. Yeah, the Testaments, uh, the which Testaments. is the follow-up to The Handmaid's Tale. And so these people, these, um, you know, these people, and you know, clearly with you know with a publisher, part of the publicity team, you know, this group of folks that had gathered to make up what was a cosplay of a of a protest, right? And they're chanting, you know, they're chanting things that. You know, they're, they're saying they're, part of the reason I was kind of thrown off at first is they were chanting things that I remember from like going to rallies that were real protests. You know, yeah. like when you go and you march on something like they were saying the same things, like the same sort of like lefty, you know, chants about, you know, people and like 
it felt it was clearly a very like strange like co-opting of language right i got two buttons and a rape whistle and that's yeah and they had they they had and so like the idea we finally talked to someone and we said well what's going on here and they said that they were trying to raise awareness for margaret atwood's next book which to me is first of all who I mean? Do you need to raise awareness for Margaret Atwood's next? Like, no, she not, has a Hulu like, show. <laughs> like I don't think like, she needs that. I don't. Th- one, she doesn't need this. And and two, you know, we said, well, why? You know, what are you guys doing? And the woman's point that we talked to was basically that, well, we wanted to play on the fact that the handmade costume is being used in protests right now. Mm-hmm. And which is true. And for background, you know, we've seen. You know, this is a moment in. Um, you know, politics, particularly American politics, where it feels like, you know, a lot of, you know, women's rights, a lot of reproductive rights, you know, a lot of stuff is kind of hanging in the balance, right? Like there's sort of a sense that, um, you know, whether it's Supreme Court stuff, whether it's anything else, you know, like there are certain protections that are under attack, right? And they're, and it's sort of led, you know, we've seen these images, right? Like people in the handmade costume, you know, protesting, you know, various things. Like we've all seen this. Yeah. And it's a powerful thing. Like it's it's a, you know, it's an interesting thing. But and so for me, there's like this circular thing that happens, you know, like these people in the real protests, not this one we saw, but like are putting on a costume meant to evoke the imagery in the world of The Handmaid's Tale, which is obviously a, a story, feeling and understanding about that. Right. Yes. Which is a story, obviously, about repression of women, you know, and it's but now it's like circling back and now like the content is playing off the protests using the content in a way that before we get into whether we think it's like good or not, it felt really weird and circular and self-referential. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that we kind of landed, you know, we sort of thought about it for a second and we kind of ended up feeling like it wasn't like, we kind of had a weird feeling about it, you know? And why do you think that? Like, why don't you tell us why you think that was? Well, okay. So book swag sure good fine great um being at an event that isn't targeted at readers Mm -hmm. and being handed a promotional rape whistle yeah weird um really uncomfortable like like um it, it kind of felt like the marketing for this project was very much like taking advantage of and supporting everything that the book theoretically is fighting against. I mean, like, Like, I haven't read it, but I've read The Handmaid's Tale. Well, it's like, what are you... I think that's perfectly put. Like, what are you invoking when your book swag is a rape whistle that you hand to a woman? Shitty things. What are you saying? You know what I mean? You're saying, like, hey, remember how your life is perilous and... We had a book about it, and it made you feel a certain way. And there were there are to the point that there are protests in the streets about the conditions for women. Yeah. Right now, and how that should mean that the answer to that is to take this, you know, like ceremonial whistle, and then spend twenty five bucks on the next Margaret Atwood. Not like it's very strange, yeah. right? Like it's it's this weird thing that's like so circular and so. And that they had young women and a fair amount of women of color, especially when The Handmaid's Tale, the book and Margaret Atwood is very um, problematic for people, especially women of color, um, felt very weird and wrong and bad to me. And like, so you, you brought up something in your first description that I do want to get at that I thought is kind of an interesting detail. Like you said, 
it mattered to you that this was not an event with readers at it. Yes. So what, tell me, I, I think that's a really interesting point. Why did that matter into your calculus here? So, I mean, like, I would find this equally reprehensible, to yeah. be clear, yeah. if this was an event for readers. But it felt like, okay, so there's a couple of things. Um, a huge number of the people that attend this fair are not local to London. Mm-hmm. So you have a bunch of, like, a lot of women at this event in a strange foreign city in a in like a lot of the times when you know they're speaking something that is not their first language or even yeah. something that they speak at all yeah. um so you already have people in a foreign and strange place and you're bringing this up but also it like didn't seem to have a not that i think that in any place this would be this would be worthwhile and like a good idea but it also just felt really cheap and tawdry because this isn't even like, who are you selling this to? Yeah, you're, you're just not doing consumer. it because you want to like make a show. Yeah, it's like, it's, I guess, theoretically, you're trying to appeal to a, you know, a blogger or someone like someone yeah. who's there covering the fair as a means of. And I guess that's what we're. I mean, in a way, that's what we're doing sure. now. Not to but the like, not to the me, event that they're not to the way. But that like, tell hoping, me but, that Margaret Atwood needs help getting yeah. like translation and foreign deals yeah, no, with this project. Um, there won't be a single. I think it's almost fair to say that anyone who with any sort of standard reading habit, there won't be a single person who won't have an opinion on whether or not they want to buy the new Margaret Atwood book. When it, like, there's no public. Like, it's totally an unnecessary thing, apart from being kind of gross, you know. Yeah. And Pretty gross. It was just like such a weird circular, like liberal thing. <laughs> like, and what I mean is like, you know, there's this thing that gets thrown at like the Harry Potter crowd or the Game of Thrones crowd or the Handmaid's Tale crowd in a lot of ways, you know, over the last couple of years where the, and the charge is always read another book, right? Mm. Anytime, because you see these like forced political and that, well, this is like Game of Thrones or this, you know, particular thing is like what happened in Harry Potter. And you always kind of see, you know, there's like the same cycle of content that always happens on social media, right? Where someone makes some stupid book analogy to some political thing that has nothing to do with that. And then you have a million people getting pissed off about it and saying, how about we come up with literally anything else for a literary illusion? <laughs> and and it's like, usually that stuff is all just like crank material. It's like what we, everyone should just shut up, you know? But like here, it's like, it, it this was like the first time where it really did feel warranted. It's like, Man, we're using, I don't know, like, I am, I'm struggling to even articulate it. It's like the idea that you're taking the protests that were an allusion to the book and making your book an allusion to the protests, especially because this book kind of feels like, like, we didn't need a sequel to The Handmaid's Tale. I'm sorry. But, like, it's... So here's the thing. Yeah. The protests alluding to the book, um, whatever you think of the book, is still a powerful statement because it is yeah. a important and visible image in our society now that conveys something important to take a a a movement and a political ideology and bend it towards marketing a product turn it back into content real bad just like hashtag content (laughs) Um, you find something happen (laughs) you make it about the content and then you make it the content yeah it's very strange and very weird i don't know i felt kind of weird about it but speaking of like weirdness. That's gonna be my transition. Um, <laughs> speaking of weirdness, Eric. Yes, please uh, do tell. Oh, what? it's good to be back with you commenting on every single transition I do. Uh-huh. Um, 
there we walked by. Do you, it, do you mean it or were you being sarcastic? Both. <laughs> I contain multitudes. Uh-huh. Um <laughs> there there were a fair number of like diversity and inclusion uh events that we mm-hmm. kinda drove by. Yeah. Ones that we kinda glimpsed. Talk about that for a minute. Well it was just like we some of there were so many panels. Like, I guess not so many, but there were a few panel discussions. Just, like, happening in the middle of, like, the room. Well, we saw Ian McEwen that one time. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, Ian he McEwen was, kinda, was like, yeah. sitting on a stool in front of a bunch of benches <laughs> that had, like, little circles of, like, faux animal really, fur on them. Yeah, it was really good. It was very strange. It was a good scene. Yeah. Um, but so many of them were, like, um, you know, like, one of the panels was called, like, Rethinking Diversity in Books. And, like, the panel was, like, three white guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just, or, like, we walked by one that was about, like, representation in literature. And the person talking was, again, like, this, you know, white guy with a microphone who I could hear him literally say, no, I'm just a white guy. So it's like, I don't know. You know, it's just, like, the classic, like, (sighs) speaking for others thing that happens all the time. And it just, like, I think the reason it, it feels worth bringing up, and it's a similar feeling to feeling as small as we did with regard to our place in the industry. It's like so many of these conversations about diversity and inclusion and representation that happen online in the book world, it feels like we're making, like we have these sort of discourse cycles and we feel like we're making progress, right? Mm -hmm. Like we litigate an issue very quickly because it's social media and things happen fast and then we can move on to the next thing. But really in like the real, like on the ground publishing reality, they're, like, way, way behind still. You know what I mean? Like, none of the things... And this is, I think, a really instructive point to anyone who kind of cares about the direction of publishing. Like, the reality as it's actually happening is in a far worse shape than the state of the online discourse. You know what I mean? Like, we've sort of... Like, people who participate in book Twitter are all a certain breed of progressive. You know, they're all kind of coming at things with a certain, you know, set of vocabulary and, you know, truths about... You know, you know, own voices or, you know, diversity in literature, all these different things that people talk about. But like there are huge pockets of this industry, as we saw in this February, that is we're not even anywhere near that yet. And it's like those are the material realities that need changing much more than like being the perfect embodiment of wokeness online, you know? Yeah. So. One of the things is, like, if you care about representation and diversity in books, um, you know, I I feel like the conversation has progressed long enough to understand that you won't be able to make any functional strides in content, in, like, changing and, like, representation and content if you don't have that reflected in who's working on these books. And just by virtue of how small a cross-section is like agents and editors who actually like ideally will care about these things and are really pushing for these things like there's so much more to this industry that it's going to take a really long time to you know it's not just enough to hire editors of color Mm -hmm. or to have more ways to support agents of color like it very very much is going to be a harder fight than I think any of us think because that has to expand towards the printing and the distribution and and the marketing and it has to expand globally. You got to get toward the money. You got to get to the money. We never talk about and the money. 
and it's a really, really, really slow process. Yeah. Um, and even just like walking around and seeing, seeing these moments. And to be clear, we weren't looking for them and there weren't that many that we saw, but even just kind of walking, you know, from meeting to meeting and looking at the people around us, it's just like it's it's very, very, very apt. And I think that is one thing where you and I were very much put in our place by by how vast this industry yeah. is. And it's constantly yeah. something that we're being reminded of. You know, whenever we go to an event like this, we're reminded of it. Um but I think that's one thing that I came out of the London Book Fair being like very energized and heartened by mm-hmm. is that probably more than any other type of worker that went to the London Book Fair, we can make a difference yeah. Yeah. in that in it like a really tangible way. We drive a lot of things. Yeah. That's, that's useful. Yeah. Um, we as in agents, not like, agents I and mean, editors. I guess yeah. you and I may be on our individual place. But, <laughs> um, so we should talk about where the rover hits the road, though. We should yeah. get up and do. It was, and it was a, it was a whole ordeal getting up there. There was like, so the International Rights Center, where Laura and I did our work, where any agent who was there actually had their meetings. They were all upstairs. The and, slowest <laughs> elevator in the entire planet. Well, it was like it was this manned elevator with like a person in there sitting there just, and it just... pressing all of the buttons, <laughs> and it was the slowest elevator on the planet. Every single time you'd get in, it would be packed. Oh my god! Like, there was no. And yeah, it was it was a real ordeal to get up there. Now remember, like the other thing is like, you know, you and I are at our first event. We're we're at our first London Book Fair. Mm-hmm. We're, we've never done, you know, like we're here. We came to this thing because we wanted to expand our horizons a little bit on foreign rights. Like you and I are not foreign rights agents. We, you know, we were trying to learn something new while simultaneously making some connections, which right? we did. Which we did. But like that feeling when we first got there. Like I was a little keyed up, you know, a little nervous, right? Because like we're, I was, we were about to have meetings of the kind. That you would have like four coffees. We, <laughs> I did have a lot of coffees, because um, they don't make them the right size there. I know that's like a hack stand-up comedian, like <laughs> observation, but goddamn, like just give me a twelve-ounce cup of coffee. I, it's anyway. But the beers are bigger. Uh, the beers are bigger. That was nice. That imperial uh, pint, man. <laughs> but anyway, so we're like in this like sweaty elevator and I'm like nervous about my entire career as we like ride up into this like very intimidating floor of like advanced people it was it was a lot to deal with yeah Um, it was a long elevator ride and it was also like basically like my biggest professional phobia always is like I always get hung up on like small little logistical stuff. I get hung up on like if I'm meeting someone for coffee, oh, I'm going to get there like half an hour early to make sure I can get a table. You know, yep. if it's, you know, if I, you know, do, if I've never been to a place, I show up like way early just so I can make sure that I'm like, I'm really kind of paranoid about this stuff. And so we get up there and we don't have a table and the people we're meeting with didn't have a table. And so suddenly we're in this situation where we have to like we're like with some stranger this woman from where Poland. Was it? Poland yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and common practice like, is <laughs> to meet like if somebody doesn't have a table common practice is to meet them where they're finishing the uh, last meeting and so so then you have to hover there like a jackass oh yeah no we and I felt like a jackass Laura well, I really did and we're like standing there like idiots waiting for our meetings to happen because we got there 20 minutes early <laughs> yeah because i'm driving the show of course we're there 20 <laughs> minutes i remember talking the night before i was like all right we are getting there we're gonna wander the floor for an hour and have getting the mindset 
like and this is the thing like I used to do that for tennis too when I would play matches I was always like two hours really to the site because I wanted to like get in the, get in the headspace get know? in the zone Same this idea. is something he neglected <laughs> listeners to tell me before yeah. we go to this it, event so I this was all news yeah. to me so we you know we're doing my stress walk that you are unfortunately a necessary part of you're very tall you have a very long gait yeah. um but anyway, so then we have to wander around this crowded floor with this woman we're meeting. And I guess we found like a small, like an edge of a bar to yep. talk at for like our first ever foreign rights meeting. It was very stressful for me. But, you know, like, so then broadly. Yeah. The idea that we were there for, in case this is interesting to anyone, was like we wanted to just talk to agents who worked in other countries or markets in this specific case so we could figure out how to like sell books into other territories right like the idea is to you know if you're an agent you know retain rights to say you know the polish you know you retain polish rights or something and then you do that because theoretically you know someone who's a polish agent and you can help you give the rights to them and they go and sell them and then they get a cut and you you get you know you all make a little bit of money right like the idea is to develop and then the book co- is published in exactly. polish and the yeah. author you know and everybody wins and so the idea is to have enough, you know, people that you know in these various places so that you can actually do something with, like, translation rights, with foreign selling rights, all these different things. Um, and so that's why we were there, to try to meet some people to do that. And I would say that, like, in thinking about what shocked me the most, and I guess shocks maybe a little strong, but, like, what kind of surprised me going in was just how purely transactional and not editorial at all these meetings were. Nobody cared what the books were about. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, that's the way to put it. Like, think <laughs> about, so think about how you do your job right now, right? Yeah. There's all this crafting of the pitch, of the of the book itself, of the positioning. You know, you do all these comp title work, you do all this market mm-hmm. work. Like, you're really kind of working on a literary and artistic level, right? Or an aesthetic level, at least. Yeah. And here, there was none of that. No. It was, they cared about numbers. They yep. cared about where the American deals were happening. They cared about the genre, sales. and yeah. that was basically and it. And that really, like, people, and so you hear, like, one thing that I think you and I had gone in with maybe some questions about, right, is people always talk about, like, making all these deals at book fairs, right? Like, they show up, and then they come out, and they've made, you know, five or six, you know, they've sold five or six books, like, at a book fair. And we're like, how in the hell does that happen? But this is how. It's because no one is talking about... The books themselves are talking about them in terms of numeric profile. Yeah, you're saying in, this book sold 10,000 copies in the first year, and the person on the other end says, sure, I'll take that. Yeah. No, and that's it. And that is it. Like, think about how hard your job is. Okay. <laughs> and so there's something really yeah. interesting and exciting yeah. for, like, somebody who's a, a lot of part of my job, you know, is, like, yeah. making the deals, right. doing the, you know, doing the contracts. Like, that's really exciting. But on the other side, like... As an editorial agent, it's just heartbreaking. You know what I... And so it was like a very strange emotional roller coaster. Well, it is... Yeah, it is weird. And I was trying to think about it. And I guess on the one hand, theoretically, a lot of the editing has already been... Like, you can almost presuppose that it's been done. Yeah. Right? Like, these are... You're dealing almost entirely, not always, but usually with finished books and with published books. Like, people are selling something that already has a deal in place, maybe has already even been published in a certain place. And so, like, I guess there's, like, a way you could see it where 
there's no there's no need for an editorial conversation because any of those that would have need to happen like you can almost like assume the book is good because it got published which obviously we know is kind of silly but like <laughs> that is like the mechanical logic I think and like the other part that really struck me was how all these territories kind of interrelate like I don't think that you and I had ever really thought critically about like how the European book market works in relation to its, itself. Turns out everybody wants Germany and France to like, and in Italy to do things first. Yeah. No, like there's these, yeah. Cause like we met, we met someone from, you know, the Netherlands for instance, mm-hmm. and their, you know, their big thing was, you know, we really like it when a book is already sold into Germany, you know, and it's like, you know, certain other territories really like it when it's sold into, you know, Spain, you know, like there's, there's certain markets that, um, that play off one another yeah. and can sort of serve almost as entry points into each other in a way that I think is, I guess, interesting. And really, it's, I guess the other part that I found kind of fascinating was, like, what kind of stuff sold where. Like, it sounded like, you know, like, the po- we we keep bringing up Poland because we met, like, multiple people from there. I we just, met like, a lot of people from met, Poland. They had a very nice, there was a very nice Poland booth. Yeah, it was lovely. It was, <laughs> we sat there for a while. They had water. It was great. It was very roomy and spacious, and I enjoyed being there. Um, Especially because it was at the end of the day, and we could, like, <laughs> sit down. Yeah, that was good. But, like, they kind of talked about, like, what was selling there, and it was, you know, they really were into, you know, like, domestic thrill, like, you know, stuff like... Girl on the Train girl, and like Gone that Girl. That kind of stuff is kind all of, of having the girl a, books. All the girl books were um, having a moment there as sort of a, you know, darkish thriller kind of, you know, thing. And you can kind of see how there's sort of a trickle-down effect in literary trends, you know, mm-hmm. across, you know, something get published, gets published in America, which I think yeah. still is kind of a literary driver in and a like lot of these. Nonfiction was doing really well in um germany but not mm-hmm. well in poland right, for exactly. example which is yeah. strange because yeah. you know that's strange yeah no it, it was just it was really interesting and i i so before this my foreign rights experience was as an editor um and we would always end up and i guess like maybe the transactional nature of it shouldn't have surprised me as much as it did right because we would hit this point um me and uh, a woman we've had on the show before, Allison Rudolph. Uh, the other, you know, we, we had her way early on an episode. She was an interview we did. Um, but she and I would sit there and we would have to, like, we'd look at our catalog or our list for the upcoming season be like, we need, like, five more books. Like, <laughs> this week we need to get these five books. And so what we would do as a means of getting finished books quickly is we would open up rice catalogs, right? Like, we would go and we would look at, you know, what is Harper UK publishing and we would look through and see, okay, well, hey, this one is finished, done, looks like a fit for us, and it looks like there's rights available. Let's just start talking to their rights people and see if we can just buy it. And a lot of times it really worked. And you can get the finished book, boom, files are over, and suddenly you've got a book that's already obviously edited and everything, already typeset in a boom. lot of instances. You can you pay for the files and stuff. And so in a lot of ways, that sort of you know transactional movement did feel a little bit familiar but it just has been such a rare part of the agenting stuff right because we're not like buying anything like i don't know it was an interesting world i I felt that my horizons expanded at the london book fair there is one thing that happened while we were in the international rights center um that felt very universal though Mm -hmm. eric and i would love for you to tell this story (laughs) as an observer yeah okay so we we were late we were loitering we were loitering 
as we prof- waiting for our meeting. We were doing the classic professional loiter. Yep. Uh, where you stand there, you posture up, right? If you're me, you know, you've got, you know, arms across the chest. You want to look like, you know, you look like you belong, you know, yeah. look imposing. You Eric know, and I are angled in a V, so we're like inviting conversation exactly. but like not too much conversation i'm like trying to make my face do something other than just abject frown which it always <laughs> does um but we're standing there waiting for our first meeting so we're keyed up right like we've never done this before we're feeling probably a little bit nervous you know a little bit just ready to kind of do it and this guy walks over yep and he's got this name tag on yeah and it says like sales associate for some company i've never heard of which is not surprising and, <laughs> no it's not but he says, hey, can I talk to you guys for a second? And, you know, you and I, we've flown overseas. We're here at the London Book Fair. Of course. No, this is the we, first person who wants to, to yeah, talk to we'd us. We'd love to talk with you, we've sir. We've got 10 please. whole minutes. <laughs> and he starts asking us, you know, what we like to what we like to read, what we work on, all that kind of stuff. Kind of standard fare. A little He also, odd. first, can I just say, he uh-huh. walks over mm-hmm. and he goes immediately to you, uh-huh. focuses on you, yeah. stands a little bit too close to me. Uh-huh. And by a little bit, I mean a lot of bit. Yeah, well, a lot he gave of it you, too he gave you an unrequested hug. He did. That was annoying. He gave me a very yeah. tight unrequested yeah. hug. Yeah. So then we get to <laughs> – there was a moment of turn in this story that made me – it made me feel at home because you see this all the time at conferences um, in America where this person's talking and they're keeping it professional and they're keeping it, all this stuff, and then eventually it happens – where you can finally realize that the thing they are actually doing is trying to pitch you a book. And, of course, this man had a fantasy novel that he was working on. And the way I know that is because he pulled out his self-designed book cover for it and showed it to you. Yeah. Um, he disregarded me because I said I didn't work on fantasy. But you made the mistake of saying that you work on science fiction and fantasy. And so he... Oftentimes, though, that is not a mistake. <laughs> no, it's but... not a mistake at all. It's just <laughs> this man. Yeah. And so suddenly he's, like, pitching you this book. You were, like... But he pitched it in a weird way. Like, oh, what he, he did it in a weird way. is he, like, started saying, like, weird things about, like the the industry and he pulls out and it's not even like a book cover it's just like an illustration (laughs) that he had it's concept art that he like told me he paid a lot of money for and was like (laughs) what does this say to you and i was funny and i was like well it was like two people just staring it was like two it was fantasy looking people just like staring dead-eyed yeah so it was it was a woman who was crying holding like a baby as she or like a baby lion as she was being crowned and then a dude behind her crowning her okay so remember remember that we are like any second now we're about to be pulled into our first professional meeting at with poland poland number one and so we've got like, like 10 minutes and I yeah. thought like, oh, good. Like this is setting the tone for this entire yeah. meeting. And all of a sudden he pulls out this concept art and says, wouldn't this make a really great cover? What oh does this say God. to you? And at that point I froze. And then I I mean, like I, I didn't feel well, too we, threatened because luckily Eric was there. We started to hit like deferral tactics. Right. And this is a thing that happens at conferences. And also, by the way, folks. Um, any writers listening who go to conferences, which is probably a lot of you, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't pitch people in the hallway. Don't. And especially, I mean, aside from the fact that this isn't even that kind of event at all, like this was, from what I can tell, this man made up a credential to get into a room with 
literary agents at an industry-specific conference so that he could pitch them their book on the street, which is incredibly bizarre behavior. Please don't do that. Yeah, email is free. Um, um, But yeah, so he asked me what I thought uh of this art, and I said, well, it looks like this woman is very bummed to be crowned queen. (laughs) And he looked at me like I just, like, shot a puppy. You did crush his dreams. I did, but he, like, he gave me an unsolicited hug and then, like, side swipe pitched me, you know? So at this point, I am just sweating through my shirt (laughs) because I'm... Again, I'm a logistics guy. Now the logistics are thrown off. Not only we're like late for our meeting, we don't have a location. I'm being for harassed. We're getting yeah. It was a whole situation. We eventually got. He him gets to leave. he gets mad and was like, but like you can use this as a cover, like he as a marketing mad. tool. And yeah. I was like, that's not how publishing works. And he's like, well, it should. And I was like, I don't decide that. <laughs> that is not my job. Like I can't. That's uh, not something I'm in control of. Sorry, bud. Is- and I say. And he's like, well, it's being published next year. And I say, great, like, you know, by, by, or like, you know, who, like, who's your agent, da, da, da. And he's like, well, you. And I was like, uh, it's definitely not He did say that you were his agent, which is great. He definitely did. It was a real power move. And then, yeah, he like asked for my, yeah, he just, like, yeah, he, he, he asked for my business card and I was like, you know what, like. I'm sorry, we really got to go at this yeah. point. And then Eric, like, started doing that thing, like, that all, like, Scandinavians do, where they, like, they start getting, like, nicer in an effort to get away. And he was mm-hmm. like, sorry, man, like, we've got a meeting, we have to go. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we were in the main Defensive aisle. pleasantry, Not- that's right. <laughs> Luckily, we were in, like, the main, main aisle loitering, mm-hmm. rather than, like, the aisle we needed to be in. Yeah. But, like, we could see that meeting finishing. I was like, I was like, we're five minutes out. We've been here. I can leave. Uh, you know, I just was like, mm-hmm. oh, we got to go. And he goes, but can I can I send you something? I said, nope. you know what? Not right now. I'm always open to queries uh, and then refused to give him my card. And then we had to go right into a professional meeting. Yeah. With, yeah. yeah. The first one was not our best effort, but we, we <laughs> rebounded. And I think that in conclusion, folks. Um, I think that we had a productive fair. I think that we, one, we learned a lot. Two, I think we met some really good people. Um, we weirdly ran into um, the the publisher for the University of Minnesota Press there. Yeah. He's like a mile from us right now. <laughs> um, it was funny to see him. Uh, he's a friend of ours. But um, it was it was good. I it think was a that good we, time. I'm trying to think. Any last images, impressions that we need to get across before Your we sign off? Your flight back. Oh yes, I did. So I was. I'm sitting on the flight home, and I was in on vacation with my mother and my uh, husband at this point. Yeah, and I'm sitting on the flight home, and this. I'm reading. I'm reading the new Marlon James book, right? And it's got kind of a loud, wild cover, and the the girl sitting next to me. She was, I learned, like a freshman in college or something in a small little school in Minnesota. It was her second flight ever, oh. uh, which is great. The first, one, the first was one was to England. London. Yeah, no, right. they, it was like she went, she was at like, I don't even remember the name of the school. It was a smaller school in Minnesota. But she kind of leans over and says, do you own many books? <laughs> and I said, yeah, no, I, I work in books. I got a lot of books. She goes, I too own a small collection of books. <laughs> Just went set, and it was it was a very funny little exchange. But we ended up um, had a nice little conversation. We talked about um, quite honestly. What... <laughs> I want this girl to like like yeah. come hang out with us. I feel yeah. like I am so charmed. Like oh, you texted charming, yeah. that to me, and it just yeah. charmed the pants right off of yeah, me. Yeah, no, she was funny. Um, a small collection of books. I too. It was just funny, like <laughs> to. 
it was it was funny to have a conversation. And this happens, like I think sometimes when we're not talking to industry people, like you can have conversations about books just like in and of themselves. Like usually when we talk about reading, we're talking about well, what do you like to read? Who do you like to read? What specifics? Like you're not like debating the concept of the object. Yeah. You know, in a way that was, um. You know, it was funny. It was and good. that's positive. And I feel like a lot of the times agents are jaded a lot for the reason that, yeah. you know, that story that we just told you, it's because you get blindsided yeah. a lot in yeah. like a very like sometimes threatening sort of way yeah. by people who want to like talk to you about their book idea. Yeah. And so you get a little reticent. But, yeah. you know, the story of just like a young <laughs> Girl, yeah. just getting real jazzed that you're yeah. reading a book instead of watching the new Avengers movie. On... I did watch. I watched the fa- the favorite. Oh, so good! <laughs> it was so good. Um, I don't know if it was that good. I don't know. Yeah, don't but, know. You're but what do I know? I've a bad like, person. That, I don't know. You don't like lots of things. The only the last two movies I've watched were that one, and then I watched The Shape of Water, on like. The last flight. Like I only watch movies on airplanes. I don't, and I I just liked both movies, which is gonna really you bring. Don't say that. I'm not cutting that out of this I episode. I know people are gonna come after us for that, but you know what? That's fine. Um, I'm happy to just be the person everyone yells at um, because all engagement is good engagement yeah. online. It's so. okay. Eric has very good taste in television, just terrible taste in film. Mm-hmm. Um. We're accepting that. We love him regardless. <laughs> We're moving on. Yes, we are. Um, no, that's lovely, Eric. I'm really, really happy to hear that. Um, <laughs> as as a as a uh, counterpoint, um, uh-huh. my mom got sick the day before we uh, flew home from Edinburgh. Turns man. out she exposed the entire plane to influenza <laughs> A. <laughs> Damn it, mom. This is why you should get your flu shot. Shout out to a friend of the show, Laura's mom, who is certainly listening to this right now. Well, she can't go to work because she still has influenza A. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I feel bad for her. I made her sprint through the Charles de Gaulle airport. Um, <laughs> it wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal. But you know what? We're home. We are My home. bags made it home four days after I did. So real quick on that. that yeah. Then we should sign up. We're getting along here. But... Um, it just went to the wrong St. Paul. Yeah, it went to Sao Paulo instead of <laughs> Minneapolis St. Paul Airport. Really good. Um, yeah. So what? Well, it's a little bit more complicated uh-huh. than that. So we went to Edinburgh to Charles de Gaulle in Paris, uh-huh. and then directly home. Yeah. And we had a very short connection, so I think it just didn't make it. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, "Great, it's gonna be here tomorrow. It's gonna get on the flight." Well, the dude who was at the like the lost bag office never sent that message. Hmm. And then it was the whole next day, and then they sent the message. But then the people in France put it on a flight to Brazil mm-hmm. instead of the United States, um, which was really fun because then it hung out in Brazil for a day mm-hmm. and then took the red eye to Atlanta and then came home. Um, yeah, just the wrong St. Paul, yeah, which, is, which is, yeah, every person I've told has just laughed out loud at that. But yeah. it didn't bring me any souvenirs, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, so before we get into any more of my airline <laughs> stand-up material, we should probably <laughs> sign off. Huh? Yeah. View the uh, Mandy Candy tweet oh my on God, Eric's. I hate that. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. We're not, I'm not even talking about it now. Okay. Okay. Eric had a viral tweet again about uh, his flight home, which is also charming. Not no, quite as not. charming as this girl who loves books. I regret it. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, uh, letting us get this 
very, very talky episode out of our system. It's We've, good to be back, folks. It's really good to be back. We don't have four feet of snow outside. We came back with all of our limbs and all of our bags. Mm -hmm. We're happy. Mm -hmm. We've got dogs. Mm -hmm. And we're ready to hit the ground running after meeting all these people from Poland. Special episodes coming later this week, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. And we will see you for a regular episode next week. Bye. Bye.